HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, America's Most Haunted Podcast, with me, your host, a jack-o'-lantern. Mmm, and me, a squirrel eating the jack-o'-lantern. Oh, I love that. I love to see the things that squirrels get into lately in my neighborhood, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, Squirrels have taken to eating avocado shells. The shells? Yeah, the shells in the pits. I mean, people don't generally throw away a whole avocado, but all these fucking avocado lovers in my neighborhood, you know, toss out the shells and give them to the squirries. I saw a baby squirrel yesterday. Get out of here. How was small so was it? <laughs> oh, that small. It could have fit right in the palm of your hand. Wow, you could have I crushed thought it was it. a chipmunk at first, but it had a big bushy tail. So maybe it was like a hybrid between a chipmunk and a squirrel. Oh my God. Can that even happen? That's shocking. I don't think so. Well, you know, life finds a way. Yes, it sure does. It endures. You know, it's interesting to me the things that we as people think are cute that are rodents Mm -hmm. and what are not cute. Like rat, you know, obviously very unpopular. Squirrel is kind of on the fringe, right? Like we don't love squirrels, but we tolerate them and we see them and don't panic normally unless they're in our house. Yeah. Yeah, they are kind of cute, but they're also kind of gross. And then like rabbit, I mean, beloved. Chipmunk, mouse, no. I think mice are cute. Right. I agree that they're cute if you're looking at a picture of one, right? <laughs> Perfectly fine. But if it's in your house, like moving so quickly, zigzagging, you know, between the under the sink and the refrigerator, like, I don't know, it's scary all of a sudden. Well, they do move really fast, which is terrifying. They move really fast, but let's think of it this way, though, too, right? Let's take a bunny rabbit, a adorable, fuzzy, soft bunny rabbit with soft feet. Um, if you come home one day and one of them like darts out from behind your stove, it would probably be scary. Yeah, if there was a rabbit just running at top speed around my house, I would be like, <laughs> no, it'd still be cute. Because it would be hopping. It would be hopping at top speed. Oh my God. Anyway, I just think it has to do with like an unwanted creature being in your house is like generally not cool. Yeah, sure. Unless that creature is going to make you dinner. In which case, welcome, creature. <laughs> what if it's a kitten? Still, if I didn't put it there and it's just there, I mean, I don't know. I could go either way on a kitten. I, I'm not really much of a cat guy, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah, but kittens are cats. They're baby cats. They're really cute. They are cute, but evil. Nicole, hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How's your week going? Well, okay. My week is fine, but... I just found out that Tom Brady and Giselle are getting divorced. Thank God. Did you know about this? I mean, I was the first one that she called when it happened. (laughs) She said, Zara, I have something to talk to you about. I can't stand Tom Brady and his fucking MAGA hats anymore. I'm out. Does he wear MAGA hats? Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. He is a MAGA all through and through. He loves it. fucked up. Um, I know. It's super weird. Then he could marry someone who's from Brazil. I know. Who would have ever thunk it? Um, so, yeah. And the, page six says that Bridget Moynihan, which is Tom Brady's ex 
wife or something just posted a cryptic quote about relationships ending. Wow. Say it ain't so. Bridget Moynihan, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. As Mr. Big's ex-wife posting cryptic tweets about relationships ending. Oh, does she play his ex-wife? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, in other news, Matthew Perry spent $9 million trying to get sober. He recently revealed... And wow. he almost died when his colon exploded from drug use. I, I am aghast. I'm aghast at, in this podcast. <laughs> I'm aghast because I can't even, what does that even mean? Your colon explodes. I don't know. It sounds like an SNL skit. Let's get more info. Wow, dude. Call into the show, Matthew Perry. Let us know what it feels like when that colon explodes. I'm Googling Matthew Perry colon just for the record everyone. Maybe he had too much spicy food. I feel like that makes your colon explode. I don't know. Wouldn't you die if your colon exploded? Well, he exploded? said he nearly died. Yeah, Matthew Perry was given a 2% chance to live after his colon burst from drug use. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Wait a minute. Okay, I have a lot of questions. He had gastrointestinal perforation in his colon burst following opioid misuse. I don't know. They're not, like, giving us the details. Marron, I'm picturing this thing bursting like a balloon. <laughs> But terrible to think about. He said the reason why he kicked drugs is because he had to use a colostomy bag. And that would help me kick drugs, too. Because that's one of my greatest fears is having to have a colostomy bag. Yeah. I mean, oh, my God. Matthew Perry. That's why. Well, it explains why he looks like such shit. No, he looks good now. Does he? Mm-hmm. He has got his, he's got his glow back. He's got his shine back. Yeah. He's got his colon back. Yeah. Him and his colon are back together. Good for you guys. You worked it out. <laughs> Went to yeah. couples therapy. Yeah, it's good. I would hit that. As long Get as- the fuck out of here. You would? You'd hit it? Yeah. You'd sit? Would sit on Matthew Perry. Yeah. Current. Like, yeah, as long as the colostomy bag's gone. <laughs> God. Okay, well, our thoughts and prayers, I guess, are going out to you. Mm-hmm. Another really great piece of gossip that I learned today is that <laughs> Jennifer Lopez is really unhappy living with Ben Affleck because he smokes too many cigarettes and doesn't pick up even a single plate. <laughs> what a fucking jerk. Okay. I mean, what do we expect from this guy? She knows when he smokes when she just agreed to be his wife. Again. Yeah, well, you you think you can change someone. You know, we all we all think it, especially if you're J-Lo. But he loves those ciggy butts. I don't think that she's mad that he smokes. He probably doesn't smoke in the house. They live in a mansion. He can have his own smoking area and she wouldn't even know about it. Yeah, the smoking wing. That's wild. Well, I'm sorry to the you two. We seemed like such a happy couple. Yeah, well. well I wonder what Bridget Moynihan has to say about this. I mean, she could be talking about Ben and Jen. We don't really know who she's referring to. <laughs> or Matthew Perry wow. and his colon. This is breaking news. Any more celebrity news? No, I mean, this is so much. I, didn't really... I mean, it's so hot. I just wanted to know because I have a story to tell. Okay, yeah, no, it's all done. Okay, great. People let's are really on. No. on this. They need time to process it. I know. Everybody, let's calm down with a hilarious story about me in public. Um, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I've been feeling just like a little bit like emotionally stretched thin this past week. So I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll take myself on a date. I'm going to go ahead and see that new Halloween movie. Mm. Have you seen it, Nicole? No, Halloween ends. I heard bad things. Okay, well, uh, it was very strange. I think I would summarize it as being extremely strange, (laughs) but that's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss my movie-going experience, which started out amazingly. It was a sunny Saturday in New York City. I didn't feel like seeing a fucking single person, so I was like, I'm going to go to the movies at, like, 3 p.m. Perfect. Cobble Hill Cinema, notoriously empty. Mm -hmm. I go, it's me and one other couple in the theater. Like, a young couple whatever I'm like this is great I'm not gonna like wear a mask like I'm just gonna fucking kick back and relax this is chill as fuck so the beginning scene of Halloween is like absolutely shocking well like, have you seen is, the one before it no Halloween I didn't kills. I didn't see it no but this this opening scene is really shocking and when the scene is almost over a a a man of Italian descent, <laughs> and I can say that because I'm also of Italian descent, mm-hmm. very obviously of Italian descent, probably in his, like, 40s, walks in, kind of, like, making a lot of noise, and, like, I'm like, ugh, and he sits in the back row. He's kind of, like, talking to himself a little bit. I was like, God damn it, of all the people that are walking here. So 
the scene ends and this man goes, hey, hey, you, to me. Hey, you. And I'm like ignoring him. He goes, hey, miss. Uh-uh. I, I like to call me miss instead of ma'am. So I turned around and go, yeah. And goes, did I miss anything? What happened? What the fuck? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, you're good. You're good. You're good. Then this man fucking stands up, you know, and starts Instagram living from the credits. He's like, yo, 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 I'm at the new Halloween movie up here in Cobble Hill. <laughs> I'm what? like, this is not happening. So finally, he kind of settles down. Another, like, 15 minutes pass, and, like, 15 teenagers, probably, like, 14 or 15, just, like, sneak into the movie. What? Laughing, yelling, talking super loud, taking pictures on their phone. It is very annoying. <laughs> However, who amongst us has not been this person at one time or another? I'm not going to take it upon myself to say anything to them. But now there's, like, 20 people in the movie theater, so I'm like, I'm going to put my mask on. Yeah. And so then the Italian guy yells at me. He goes, Karen, Karen, starts screaming Karen at me because I put my mask on. Wow. So then the couple, who is a young white couple, goes, like, the man in the couple goes to the teenagers who happen to all be black, and he goes, hey, and he smacks his hands together oh my God. super loud and goes, you shut the fuck up to the kids. Oh, my God. Now, the hand slap, like, to say, hey, guys, you keep it down, like, it was annoying, whatever. Slap your hands in people's faces, yeah. like, and a bunch of black teenagers. I just thought to myself, I'm like, how am I here as a part of this group? <laughs> it's like me and all these fucking idiots. I'm just trying to like cry <laughs> quietly to myself in the corner and look at Jamie Lee Curtis's face. And like, here I am. So anyway, that's my review of the new Halloween. Mm. It was weird. Did you stay for the whole thing? I did against my better judgment. And eventually everyone settled down and just like relaxed, except for this fucking asshole in the back who like continued to Instagram live the entire movie. I was like, what's happening? I hate current modern day society. So he was just like talking on his Instagram live during the movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm, that's right. Now this is happening. Now that's happening. I was like, who the fuck is like, I don't know. Who's watching this with you right <laughs> paying attention to you the movie's been out for quite quite some time now so he's not like day one inter- like showing everyone about it i was just like i don't understand <laughs> why we have to live in this world like this we should all get rid of our phones folks throw your phone down the toilet even if you're listening to this podcast it's okay <laughs> it's okay you don't need it <laughs> you don't need it anyway that took a lot out of me i'm sorry that's all i have to say no it was kind of funny though yeah, definitely wild New York experience for sure. I went to I go see like, The Smile. Oh, how was that? It was good. Lots of jump scares. Scary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel I like it could have been like a half an hour scary. shorter, but still fine. Yeah, that's how I felt about the Bowie documentary, which was also scary. It was? <laughs> no, it was good, but it was very stressful to watch, and I think it could have been like a half an hour shorter. Well, also, it's, like, approved by his estate. So, like, I was reading a review, and they, like, don't mention his first wife at all. And Yeah, no, they, not at all. Um, don't really reveal anything. They kind of just gloss over his drug times. Yeah, they don't talk about drugs at all. And then they just, like, restart at the end when he start, when he marries Iman and right. goes to his, like, Chris Gaines phase. He looks like the Garth Brooks doppelganger at that <laughs> part of his life. Well. It's like a goatee and like he's dressed in all Pacific Sunwear clothing. It's really weird. Really? Yeah, like late nineties Bowie, like yeah, looked like a character from like Musty TV or something. Wow. Yeah. It was strange. <laughs> well, the nineties were a crazy time. Wild. Wild times to be alive. Nicole, are you doing anything spooky you're gonna dress up for Halloween? No, I'm going to a wedding. Oh, that's spooky. It is spooky. Are you going to wear a costume? No, I don't like to wear a costume. And I'm in my 40s, like, so I think those times are done for me. You should dress like a toilet paper mummy. No. I want to be a crow. Okay. The crow? Or like a crow? <laughs> no, not the crow. That's, a, that's bad luck. No, just a crow. <laughs> a single crow, which is basically what I am anyway. So you're going to put like feathers on yourself? Yeah, I thought the black feathers and um, pointy black feet with long black claws and a pointy black beak. 
Um, if you remember correctly, I was an owl several years ago oh. for Halloween. So you have the feet? great costume. I have the feet. Yeah. I'm just going to use the same feet. <laughs> it's between that and being a foot, which I've been wanting to be for years, but I got a lot of backlash about it. Every time I tell someone I'm going to be a foot, they say, no way, Jose. And I say, get off my back. Why? And my foot. <laughs> why? You're like, don't tread on me. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> um, how will you be a foot though? Like paper mache? No, they sell big foot costumes for single women. They do? To ensure they stay single for the rest of time. Big foot or big foot? Both. <laughs> I'm going to be big foot, but the unhairy kind, the one with toes. Mm, okay. And in fact, I think the costume, your head is in the big toe, like in the big toenail. Oh, I thought you would be like your head would be sticking out of like the, you know, ankle. Oh, like you stand up, like you are the leg essentially, and the foot just goes f- uh-huh. before you. Yeah. You're like a decapitated foot. No, no. This is kind of like the heel of the foot is your feet, and the top of the foot, your head is the big toenail. Okay. I'm looking at foot costumes because I don't, I'm not visualizing this. Oh, yeah. No. This is it right here. Yeah, it's, that's right, folks. This one has the head foot costumes. in the center. And the toes are all above his head. Yes. And he's like, that's this. true. Yay. Yep. That's right. I'm, I misjudged. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. you should do that. Yeah. Why not? It's the end, end times. This is probably our last Halloween as a civilization. So I might as well be a foot while I can. That's what I keep saying to myself. Be a foot while you can, Zara. Um, yeah. At pajamabuy.com, the funny Bigfoot cosplay costume is only $27.99. That's a steal. That's cheaper than my actual foot. Yeah, that's true. Which I paid a lot of money for. Oh, there's also a runny nose costume where the guy's head is a nose and he's wearing a running costume. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Huh? Great that's idea, good. folks. That is a great idea. I mean, I'm a huge fan of like a simple costume, like being a pumpkin or like a toilet paper mummy or mm, I don't know, a witch. Stuff like that mm-hmm. I think is quite cute. Um, or body part. I had wanted to actually be an ear, but uh, there's very cool. few ear costumes it available. Seems too believe it or not. There's a really good Mrs. Doubtfire costume that showed up in the search for some reason. <laughs> That's um, funny. Where it's got the the top where she burns the boobs and she's putting the mm-hmm. flames out with the lids of the pans. It's that yeah, one. That's right. That's a, what a great film, huh? Mrs. Doubtfire. A little problematic in ways by our current, you know. <laughs> standards but uh back then a real laugh riot oh that reminds me so i watched a 90s movie that roger ebert while still alive reviewed very well but i'd never seen what? it it's called dead again which is oh yeah kenneth brano and emma thompson basically he directed it and the premise is like emma thompson has like lost her memory um but she keeps having all these nightmares and then it basically turns out that she's reincarnated and so is Kenneth Brown off of this couple that like killed each other in the 1940s. So there's lots of like flashbacks to the forties. It's very bad though. Yeah. That's like in my recovered memories way back somewhere. But, um, I, Oh, but did you like it? No, I did not like it, but I just thought it was interesting that Robert Roger Ebert loved it. And then Robin Williams had a cameo in it, which I thought was cute. Oh, that's cute. He plays like a very Um, serious character. He's not funny at all. Yeah, he does. He did a lot of serious roles. Um, did you ever see the movie Awakenings? Yeah, I think so. Is that where he's homeless? Like Robert De Niro goes like kind of catatonic, <clears throat> and I don't know. It's like a it's another drama, a what Robin Williams drama. Is he the the he's sure, a doctor? The doctor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I watched a movie from the 1990s as well the other day, which I also found extremely boring, folks. I'm sorry to report this is a Halloween-themed film that I think I used to love when I was a child and now realize is absolutely terrible. We're talking about none other than Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. That movie fucking, it really sucks, I have to say. Someone was just telling me that it sucks the other day, and I did not believe them. No, it's true. And I loved it when I was younger and I thought it was so cool, but it is like on par with being as boring as like the crucible or interview with the vampire. It's he was, so boring. He was like, yeah. And Keanu Reeves did a terrible job. And I do remember Keanu Reeves being bad in it. Yeah. He's really bad. He also and says like, that Winona Ryder kind of sucks in it too. 
Everyone is bad. All the acting is bad. It's super long. It's not scary. Gary, Gary Oldman, Oldman looks is, like, like Mrs. Doubtfire. Gary Oldman with his fucking nineteen eight or 1800s, like tiny 90s sunglasses. I love that look. Well, yes, that's a hot look. That's very good. I mean, a fashion, sure. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry to report that I don't think this movie holds up. It did nothing for me. Even the hot redhead friend, she's a good actor, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I didn't, no, I didn't think any of it was good. And it just made me think the whole time how much better, I mean, because Dracula Dead and Loving It is like, you know, the spoof on that specific movie. And oh, it's it? just so much better. Than yeah. the movie itself. It is very long. I remember that. Very long. There's so much goo. You know what the one good part of the movie is? Is Tom Waits, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I love Tom Waits. And he's great. I he's think. a revelation. Um, I started watching, or I watched, I completed a documentary about Enron yesterday also. Oh, wow. How boring. How was that? It was really interesting. Fucking, basically, long story short, Enron is the reason that Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor of California. Like, there's, they, they also are the reason why they were rolling blackouts in California for that whole period yeah. of time, because they were just telling people to turn the power off so that it would seem like they were blackouts so they could make more money. So it was, none of that was real. They were just doing it to make money. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. I listened, <clears throat> I listened to like a, I think it was like a two-parter on the dollop about Enron. It's a very weird, that's that's also a bad movie from the 90s. What? Enron. It was? <laughs> no, no, I just mean it's like a thing oh, that happened in yeah. the 90s. That's bad. Yes. And kind of boring, but also very fucked up. Um, Capitalism, folks. It, this just in, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny that they were lying the entire time. And everyone was like, this seems fine. We're fine with it. Yeah, they're white men. We should trust what they're saying, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they're rich. Yeah, they know what's up. Yeah. Trickle down economics. Totally. All right. So speaking of ghosts, that's our uh, topic for today, folks. It is a haunted a Halloween episode. We're doing ghosts part two one year later, because I, I know that obviously all of you, especially you, Keanu Reeves, remember that last year we did ghost part one. So welcome to ghost part duh, dead and loving it. Nicole, yeah. take it away. Okay. I'm going to do the headless horseman, America's favorite ghost. <laughs> um, so... As you probably know, Washington Irving wrote the Sleepy Hollow version that we all know and that they made a movie out of starring Johnny Depp, which I actually kind of like. Um, I do too. But also Washington Irving has some sort of connection to Indianapolis and the neighborhood of Irvington, but I can't, for the, after a quick Google search, I couldn't really figure out what the connection was. But Irvington, the neighborhood in Indianapolis, for our one Indianapolis listener, is Washington Irving. I guess he lived there once. Who knows? Um, so he wrote the Headless Horseman in 1820, which is considered one of the first American ghost stories. Um, but the tales of the Headless Horseman as a, like, a regular dude have been around since the Middle Ages. Um, really? Yeah. And the Brothers Grimm wrote about him, and they say that more than likely the Brothers Grimm version is based on the Irish legend of the Dullahan, or the Dark Man. And he's like a Grim Reaper dude who carries his head around. Um, and he's like a bringer of death, kind of a grouchy guy. Um, Downer. <laughs> so allegedly he was a fertility god who demanded a blood sacrifice in the form of decapitation, which seems sort of like counterintuitive if you're the fertility god. You're like, in order to be pregnant, you have to kill someone else by chopping off their head, but whatever. Wow, that's um, so extreme. Yeah, it just seems like... Maybe he could have figured out a different way, but whatever. Um, he was worshipped by Irish people until Christianity made them stop. You know, Christianity came to Ireland. They stopped doing all the folklore worship stuff, and then you know, lots of other bad things happened because of Christianity in Ireland. And, no. Um, like what? <laughs> uh, just Google it. But so, yeah, <laughs> once they stopped worshipping him, he was like, okay, well, I'm just going to roam around. Um, and I'm going to call the names who are about to die. And so I'm going to walk around and if I yell your name outside your door, you're about to die, which, and I'm carrying my head around. And it just seems like oh my God. this guy needs a hobby. Um, he also allegedly, the flesh of his face is decayed and looks like moldy cheese. Oh my God. He, That's where the food tie in is. Yes. Yeah. 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 
Um, and then in a book called Fairy Folk Tales of Irish Peasantry, he also has a carriage drawn by headless horses. <gasps> so he's headless. His horses are headless. I don't know how they're going to see where they're going, but whatever. Um, <laughs> what, what we weren't told is that they actually just run around in a circle, like banging into stuff. Yeah, they're much he, more clumsy. Yeah, he has his head on his, you know, under his arm. So that he can see, but the horses can't carry their heads because they're horses, you know? So, like, where are their heads at? They can't see anything. Wow. I don't know. And this is where Francis Ford Coppola got the idea to put the horse head in the godfather. Yeah, totally. It's a callback. So if this guy in his carriage and his headless horses drives by your door, you should not open it because they'll probably run you down because they can't see you. Um, (laughs) But the legend says if you open the door... A basin of blood will be thrown in your face. <laughs> wow, that's not cool, man. Chill. It's also, not that scary, though. Just but like, it's just like a mean prank. All of a sudden, now you have blood all over to go change your clothes. People didn't even have that much clothes back then. Yeah, that's true. And also, am I supposed to believe that this guy who only has one free hand because he's holding his own head has enough time <laughs> to throw multiple basins of blood at people just because they open their door when he stumbles by them? How much is a basin, even? if I equate a basin with a bathtub. Yeah, like it seems like a lot of blood. And he's supposed How to do, do you even lift that? With one hand. How can he do it? Well, even with two hands, it's a lot. <laughs> I don't know. This doesn't really... This story has it's full of holes. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's tons of plot holes here. Um, another part of the legend is that you don't get thrown a basin of blood in your face, but you do become permanently blinded, which, you know, is a little spookier. Yeah. Um, in Norway, there are versions of the Headless Horseman as well. People say that most likely it is because of their tradition of cutting the heads off bodies to make their ghosts too feeble to haunt people. Um, so they're like, okay, well, if we cut his head off, even though he's dead, he won't come back to haunt us. So they think that that's probably where the Headless Horseman legends come into play in Norway. Okay. Um, there's a German version, which is what the Brothers Grimm sort of wrote about. Um, and then this story, a lady is in the woods gathering some acorns. She, like, hears a, a horn, and she looks over, and there's a dude on a horse with a cape. And she's just like, whatever, and just ignores him and goes back to her work. And the next day, <laughs> she goes back to collect more acorns, and he's there again, but this time he's holding his head under his hand. <laughs> and he's like, hey, so, like... When I was alive, I was like total alcoholic and I had stole a bunch of stuff. And now that's why I'm like this headless ghost. So like, I know that you're stealing these acorns. You should not do that. This is a cautionary tale. And she's like, okay, I won't steal acorns anymore. Bye. <laughs> Man, who called the fucking acorn police? I know. A-tab. He's like, oh, I'm so spooky. Um, <laughs> another German version of this guy is the wild huntsman. And that sounds hot there. This is based just another German version. So this is in Brunswick. A man named Hackelberg is so into hunting that when he dies, God's like, Hey, let's go. We're going to go to heaven. And he's like, no dude, I want to stay here. I love hunting so much. Can you just let me live on earth as a ghost and hunt for the rest of my life? And God is like, whatever, dude, that's fine. So then he becomes this huntsman who has, fiery hounds that just sort of like constantly hunts he seems kind of harmless maybe if you see him well i guess if you see him you might get injured during a hunt is what they're saying so just be careful okay got it um in scotland the legend of the headless horse guy um is around this clan that was having a feud a father and son were fighting because the dad didn't want to give his son any property um Mm -hmm. obviously his son is a spoiled brat um, because when his dad doesn't give him any property, he's like, you know what, dude, we're going to have a fucking mass duel. And what a mass duel is, is when you and a bunch of your homies all duel each other. So like the dad was going to bring his friends and the son was going to bring his friends and they're all going to fight each other to the death over whether or not this guy gets a house. Um, yeah, so, party. you know, same's fine. So the day before the duel, the dad comes across a fairy washing blood out of his clothes. And the fairy is like, listen to me, dude. Tomorrow morning, if your servant doesn't serve you butter at breakfast, you are going to lose this duel. And he's like, okay, cool, thanks. Um, 
So then the next morning, his servant does not serve him butter. <gasps> and he still goes to the duel. What a fucking idiot. He sees a fairy washing blood out of his clothes. This is very, you know, this is an omen. No butter. Totally. He's still going to go to the duel. He shows up at the duel. His son's friend beheads him. And then the Ugh. dad, well, the horse got scared and ran off with him still strapped to the horse. So he's just like running around the field with no head, basically. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, so I think that's where that one came from, maybe. Yeah, he's um, like, I can't believe it's not butter. He's like, why would you just be like, hey, can we reschedule this sure. for when my servant can get their shit together and give me carry gold or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> and that is the carry gold origin story. <laughs> um... There is a headless horseman in Indian folklore, but he's like a nice guy. So he protects the innocent and reps people who have had wrongful deaths. So like, he's like, if you had a wrongful death, I am your representative. And if you are innocent, I will protect you. But in the event that he becomes just really annoying because he's constantly trying to protect you because you're innocent, you can put powdered blue indigo on him and he will disperse. (laughs) So specific, mm-hmm. but well, that's great. It's nice like to have expensive. like very expensive, but nice to have kind of like a solution because even when you know sometimes people are trying to help you, they become very annoying. Yeah, if you're just like, okay, it is so great that you're protecting me, but you are on a horse and my house isn't that big and you're taking up all of the space, and so like yeah, and you have no head, <laughs> and you have no head, and it's like kind of freaking my neighbors out. So <laughs> here, I'm just gonna sprinkle this on you. Um, so, okay, so then Sleepy Hollow, written by Washington Irving, stars Ichabod Crane, the school teacher, um, who, by the way, was a real person. They think that he probably, they think that, um, Washington Irving was probably going through, like, the records of the American Revolution, and so at some point Ichabod Crane was in there or something, he came across the name. Mm -hmm. Um, they probably didn't actually know each other. Um, he definitely did not ask his permission to use his name. Um, I can't believe that that's not one of the like fucking rich people like Brooklyn Night names that's like made a comeback. You know what I mean? Like, God, there probably is an Ichabod out there. And this is my new baby. His name is Ichabod. Ichabod, get over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ichabod. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting name for sure. Come Icky for short. Itchy. Um, but so during the American Revolution, they think that in addition to the you know, the folklore legends that Watching Irving probably knew about. He was also probably inspired by this. So during the American Revolution, German soldiers were fighting with American soldiers over here, I guess. I don't know why. Um, and they were really feared because they used their bayonets. And everyone was like, oh no, they're scary. But then one of the German soldiers who was bayoneting somebody got decapitated by a cannonball. <laughs> oh, yikes. So like a cannonball <laughs> is shot through the air and just takes his head off, which is crazy, that's but a true sad. story. Um, and then they think that that's also part of the you know inspiration for the Headless Horseman story that he ended up writing because it also happened right. around Halloween. So con- coincidentally. Wow, um, that sucks. A cannonball right to the face. Yeah, huh? I mean, I think hopefully you just die instantly because your head's ripped off. Oh, cannonball. And then I think about the cannonballs hitting people for some reason. I just picture them hitting buildings. Yeah, I don't even really know what the fuck a cannonball is if I was really to think about it. Like, I guess I always thought of a cannonball just as like a flying bowling ball made of lead. But like, that's probably much what does it do? Is. is it on fire? Does it explode? No, you like shoot it off of your ship, I think. And then, you know, knock down some buildings. But like, also there are people standing there too because they're like biting you. So definitely going to get hit it's by just, them. It's just heavy. Well, they shoot it out of a cannon at high speeds, but yeah. Right, so it's just a heavy, hard ball. Yeah. But Got if, like, it. that crashes into your house, your house is going to be fucked up. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think it sounds bad. I just, like, yeah. realized I didn't really know exactly what its function was until just now. It's and like of a course giant, take your head off. a giant bullet being shot out of a giant gun. Wow, cannonball. Cannonball! <laughs> um, yes, so that's my story about freaking Headless Horseman. 
and his wow that's so interesting yes it is now question nicole since this is a food podcast i'm wondering and scratching my head which is still attached Mm. um do headless horsemen eat like can you still eat something and has nowhere to go but you do still have a mouth and you still have a stomach well i think he probably just tosses it right down his neck right Got it. So he eats just through the neck hole. The yeah. mouth is unnecessary. But I guess, I don't know. Maybe he has to chew it up first. So yeah, he probably chews it up first and then spits it into his neck hole, right? Because you can't just have like, yes. a whole apple right down your neck hole. That'd be fucked up. You would choke. Yeah, you would choke to death. But he's already yeah. dead, so maybe he doesn't care. Interesting. Matthew Perry, call him to the show. <laughs> I feel like you would know something about this yes. for some reason. Absolutely. <laughs> okay amazing that was a great story so spooky and interesting and i also like the tim burton it was a tim burton Mm -hmm. version of sleepy hollow right yeah 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 yeah. with christina ricci yeah it was good and in the same vein i think i should rewatch that i also like the tim burton i think it was also i think it was tim burton from hell about the jack the ripper oh is that Um, him i don't know like maybe not but it definitely feels like it. Well, I mean, Johnny Depp is definitely in it. Oh, I remember. I don't think that is Tim Burton. Yeah, it kind of seems like it would be, though. But I kind of also think it's not. It's, it's a, a Tim Burton period, impersonator. Period, period slasher film directed by the Hughes brothers, your favorite director brother duo. Oh, I love the Hughes brothers. Um, Amazing. I should have known. What the fuck? Who are they? I've never even heard of them. They directed, Men- they directed Menace to Society, Dead Presidents, mm. From Hell, oh, cool. and The Book of Eli. Hmm. They're yeah, from the Czech like Republic. Oh, no. Really? They lived in the Czech Republic. Oh, well, good for them. What is The Book that of Eli? Exciting. Is that the one with um, the blind guy? Denzel Washington? Yes. <laughs> I mean, he plays blind in them. Okay, I was like, I don't think Denzel Washington is blind in real life. All right, well, very interesting, folks. Let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back at you with some more riveting, spooky, scary ghost content. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And guess what? Just like that, we're back. Nicole, we're back. hello. Hello. Nicole, I'm here to frighten you. Are you ready for it? I was born ready. Okay, I'm going to scare you. Now, my story today is about a haunted hotel and a haunted movie and America's Sweetheart and ex-drunk uh, Stephen King. Ex-drunk That's right. Yes. And Car Crash Survivor. Car Crash Survivor, famous ex-drunk, beloved Mainer, uh, and uh, prison library founder Stephen King. All-around great guy. Sorry, my nose itches. Nicole, how do you feel about the movie Le Shining? Oh, the French version of The Shining? Exactly, yes. Um, I like it. I'm a huge fan. I also like the book. When I was 12... I started reading the book, but I had to stop because it was too scary. Ooh. Um, I also really love The Shining. I hadn't realized that Stephen King, I've never read the book, but Stephen King did not like the movie. No, he did not. That's why he made his own version for television that was bad. Right. I think the guy from Wings is in it, so he's not very scary. <laughs> oh, the guy from Wings? The um, What the hell? Which one? Hold on. Maybe guy... it's not him. Let's see. 
Ted Daly. Is that which one? Because there's multiple guys in Wings. I can't believe we're talking about Wings right now. <laughs> the guy who is in Sideways, he's also in Wings. He was the doofy, doofy oh, he guy. He played from like the mechanic guy. Yeah, he was like the ditzy one. He was like the ditzy hot blonde. No, the from other Wings. Guy. The pilot and then there was guy. Like, yeah, then there was two pilots, and one was like kind of like a Lothario and kind of like a bimbo as well, and then one was had his shit together. I believe anyway, it was, guys, the, but yeah, I can't. My internet's not working, so I don't know. You guys will have to look this up amongst yourselves. Yeah, I'm sure we have a lot of Wings fans and <laughs> stands out there. Oh yeah. So if you're obsessed with Wings, like we are, you'll already know the answer to this question. Anyway. Oh, I did. I okay, regret. yes. Okay, it's pulled up. First of all, Rebecca DeMornay is in that, and I did not, did not remember that she was in that. Um, but yes, it does appear to be the guy from Wings. Stephen Weber? Stephen Weber! He was the ditz, he was like the ditz. Yeah. He liked to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who liked to fuck? A natural casting choice for this role. Perfect. Okay. Well, Guys, for those of you who don't know, um, the hotel in The Shining, which was called the Overlook Hotel in the movie, um, was inspired by several different um, hotels, kind of like, uh, you know, an amalgam, if you will, of different hotels. But the one that it was like most strongly based on was a hotel called The Stanley, which is in Colorado. Nicole, have you ever been... To the great state of Colorado? No. Me neither. So I, neither of us have been to the Stanley. No, I've never been. I've seen pictures of it. It's spooky. Yeah, it looks very spooky. It's very spooky looking. Um, I did recently speak to someone who said they were outside of the Stanley and looked at it from afar, which I thought was hilarious because <laughs> it's in the middle of nowhere. But I, I know, guess like, they were hiking. Wait, who was that? You told me this, didn't you? It was just somebody that I was chatting to. It was like, um, what were they doing? Was like in the forest, walking around, being a ghost? I guess they were bigfooting around in the forest. They were wearing a bigfoot costume, <laughs> walking around the forest. Wow. And voila, they land upon the Stanley. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Stanley. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, I want to begin by saying I got much of my information today from a Vice article called Red Rum Inside the Hotel, which inspired The Shining by Laura Strudaris, and also a huge amount of information from wikipedia.com. So who is the guy, Nicole? Let me tell you. The Stanley Hotel is built by a man named Freeland Oscar Stanley, who is the co-founder of the Stanley Motor Company, which made steam powered cars in the turn of the century was that a thing people did yeah steam cars well i think like steam engines right i guess they did the same thing with cars okay fine okay fine so you have to load up coal into your car to make it work i guess so there's so much and that is, and that is my next vehicle purchase because <laughs> coal is cheaper than gas and right let's make america great again i hate electricity <laughs> <laughs> okay 1903, this motherfucker gets tuberculosis like most other people living in America at the mm -hmm. time. So the treatment for TB at that time was dry air and sunlight. Like, I just picture that movie, like, The Road to Wellville. Like, just yes. people taking the cure, you know? Mm -hmm. Get out, get some fresh air, look at some birds and, you know, wild animals, and you'll be just fine. You'll be cured of this deadly disease. So... People who got TB in this time were referred to as lungers, which I think is funny. It doesn't get a mean. I know, it's a little bit like punching down. But anyway, they're called lungers. And Stanley uh, is resolved to take the curative mountain air in the Rocky Mountains. So while he's there, him and his wife, Flora, go to Denver and then their doctor recommends them to stay for the rest of the summer. His health starts improving, and he's like, I motherfucking love Colorado. Look at this big sky. Look at these eagles. Look at this deer over here and this moose and this bear. He's so into it. Mm -hmm. He's like, look at all this wildlife. And he's like, look at how lucky I am because I'm fucking rich and white, and I got over tuberculosis because I didn't have to, like, live in the city and, like, go, you know, whatever, work okay. in some kind of, like, basement for but all this But check this out. So the scene car... Seems like a great idea, Stanley, but it took 30 minutes for it to start. Wow. Just that's a long time. Out. 
30 minutes. You, you can't just rush off to the grocery store. You have to wait 30 minutes for your servants to start the car. That's true. And if your car is running on coal, it might be some explanation why you're having a lung issue in the first place. That's to be true. Honest. Good point. <clears throat> so this motherfucker, like I said, and his motherfucker wife <laughs> <laughs> love it so much that they decide to open a hotel. So uh, in 1907, construction begins on the Hotel Stanley. And at the time, it's a 48-room grand hotel that caters to the class um, of the moderate wealthy urbanites to very wealthy urbanites who were like the people that they hung out with back east. Oh, so moderately wealthy and uber wealthy were rubbing elbows I, together? Sounds I know, nice. it's shocking. Um, and also when you had TV, they called it a consumption. So it, yes, it uh, which is catered to the consumptives seeking a healthful climate. Is TV fatal always? No, no, you can get better from it, um, clearly, if you have enough money Got or it. you're lucky, like most things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, in like 1909, a two-thirds uh, kind of scaled-down second lodge gets finished. Um, and while it sounds like it's kind of ambitious, there was nothing on the top floor except for children and nannies, which sounds terrible. <laughs> sounds very screamy. Sounds like a lot of footsteps, screaming, lots of farts, runny noses, a place that I would rather not have ever had to go. Yeah. Well, you don't have to go there. Top floor is not for me. Yeah. Exactly. I'll be drinking scotch by the bar. Right. Listening to someone play piano. Exactly. If you need me. Um, So anyway, it was like invite only. It wasn't like really a hotel. It was more of kind of like a social club. Okay. Um, John Philip Sousa, your favorite military composer, directed the band. <laughs> you will, will not shut up about John Philip Sousa. John Philip Sousa this, John Philip Sousa that. I'm go, still okay, waiting for already. the biopic to come out, and I really don't think that I need, I shouldn't have to wait much longer. <laughs> Elijah Wood um, is going to play John Philip Sousa. Elijah Wood, the small, America's smallest actor. Okay. <laughs> um, and he directed the band at the house's opening. His autograph was on the bottom of Flora, uh, the wife of her piano, which Salsa um, himself tuned. But in the mid '90s, when things started going to shit at the hotel, somebody fucking cleaned it off because they thought it was graffiti. Oh, did he clean her piano or tune her piano? Yeah, he tuned her piano. All right, that's where I'll be. I'll be in the lobby getting my piano tuned by hot Salsa, not John Philip Sousa. Get in here, Sousa, Sousa, whatever. Okay. Um, spooky, scary magician Harry Houdini performed uh, in the concert hall. The trap door he used for the famous uh, escape act is still on the stage, which I think is very cool. I'd like to see that. That is cool. Yeah. The men would play pool and get fucking shit-faced. The women would gather for letter-writing campaigns, which sounds boring and cruel. And then they'd all meet at the whiskey bar where they would get fucked up and do <laughs> sex to each other. <laughs> like a big and, orgy. And they would all get under each other's million layers of underpants and do Tune it. each other's pianos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so Stanley sells the hotel in 1930. Uh, sells the property in 1930, and it gets transferred into a hotel, but, like, the national parks that are surrounding it weren't really a thing. I guess people are still not understanding the point of hiking, and... God bless them. Mm-hmm. Um, just kidding. I love to hike. Just kidding. I kind of like it. Um, anyway, so it didn't go so well. So it's like kind of falling into disrepair for like a very long time. And in it would have kind of just like gone completely off the rails. Like budgets were stretched so thin that the turndown service consisted of, quote, uh, the top bed duvet being placed on nails across the window because they couldn't afford drapes. Hmm. So... So you have to pull your duvet, I guess, off the window to use it at night. But then you don't have any curtains. Well, you got to put a hammer in that shit back right up there in the morning. And then also, then all the moose will just come stare at you while you're sleeping, which is uncomfortable for me. I don't like that. Absolutely. And you're like in the middle of nowhere and you don't enjoy nature because it's still, you know, Mm pre-1970. And so like everyone's like, I don't understand. Um, So enter the savior of the Stanley Hotel, a man named Stefan King. That's when he's cool and takes his glasses off. He becomes (laughs) Stefan King, like Mm -hmm. Stefan Arkell. Yes. 
Um, so Stephen King stays at the hotel in 1974 and uses the property as an inspiration for The Shining. And check this shit out, Nicole. Mm. They have an on-site pet on on-site pet cemetery at the hotel, which later becomes the inspiration for Pet Cemetery. Wow, he's just mining that for every dollar he can. I know. He's like, I love it here. What else can I do? Then he gets married there. Just kidding. Did, he, um, did they have a bush maze like they do in the book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. There's a hedge maze there. Yeah. Um, but this is not where they filmed the original Shining. I can't no. remember that where that was, but it was not here. But it is where they filmed the remake. Right. So unhappy with Kubrick's interpretation uh, in 1980, he wants to invest in a do-over uh, and he stages it at the Stanley. So the current owner who was named Cullen, John Cullen, who bought it in like the 90s, agreed to the do-over and they shot it there. So here, you want to hear some creepy ghosts since this is a ghost story? Yes. Here are some creepy ghost things about the Stanley Hotel. In 1911, an explosion in room 217 sends chambermaid Elizabeth Wilson through the floor with two broken ankles. Was that Matthew Perry's colon? Yes. In 1911, Matthew Perry's colon explodes, sending chambermaid Elizabeth Wilson through the floor. She breaks both ankles. Both people survive. Um, She survives. Um, but for some unknown reason, they believe that she still haunts the hotel. And I understand how she feels because I broke my ankle and I would definitely haunt the place where it happened as well, which is also a hotel. Um, so over the years, guests continually report seeing a ghostly figure on the fourth floor with a description loosely resembling Flora Stanley. (laughs) Loosely resembling her. So it could be any, who could be any, which is not her. Yeah. Flora Stanley was. Oh, that's the wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we have two spooky women ghosts. Um, Neither of whom died at the hotel. (laughs) Neither who died at the hotel nor would have any reason to haunt it, allegedly, are the ghosts. So Stephen King says while staying at the Stanley, quote, I dreamt of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming, um, eyes wide and screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over. (laughs) I'm like... Who was the jerk? Uh, I woke up with a tremendous <laughs> jerk sweating all over within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up. I lit a cigarette. I sat in the chair looking out the window at the Rockies. And by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. Wow. So, yeah. So anyway, Stephen King clearly was very uh, made a huge impression on him, but not as much of an impression as it did on Jim Carrey because uh, the Stanley was also used for... Dumb and Dumber when they're like sitting at the bar, which I think is hilarious. That is hilarious. Okay. Now we're going to talk about some food parts of The Shining. So Stanley Kubrick and I mean, Stephen King, I guess I'm assuming it was kind of similar in the book, but like, you know, there's so many times when filmmakers use food as like an interesting kind of tool in films just to like, you know, either break stuff up or show the dynamic of characters or that they're real people. There's a lot of ways and reasons for why food is used in films, but it was definitely quite deliberate in this movie. Also, it takes place at a hotel. So of course, food's going to have some kind of thing. But so first we see like um, Shelley Duvall and her son, like eating sandwiches right in the very beginning. Then the hotel's head chef, Dick Holleran, takes Wendy and Danny on a tour of the kitchen, and Dick tells Wendy and Danny, you won't have to worry about food because you folks can eat for up to a whole year and never have the same menu twice. Then he shows them the meat locker, which is scary, and there's rib roasts and um, big bags of hamburger and turkeys and chickens and 50 sirloin steaks and 20 legs of lamb. And uh, then Dick asks Danny if he likes lamb, and Danny says no. Dick says, well, what's your favorite food? And Danny replies, French fries and ketchup. That's a great combo. I mean, who amongst us doesn't like French fries and ketchup? I can think of one person, but they're wrong because ketchup is delicious. Yes, but Um, it depends on the ketchup. That's true. Only Heinz will do, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Yes. Um, So then, like, Wendy, uh, played by Shelley Duvall, rolls a room service car up to breakfast and and their suite one morning, and there's, like... um, there's orange juice and toast and a silver coffee pot and teacup. And I guess it's all just kind of trying to like 
you know, in the beginning of the movie, make it seem, although we obviously know it's not going to be okay, that it like looks nice and everything's going to be beautiful and they have all this stuff. But little do they know, everything's going to go to shit very quickly. Very quickly. Then, then there's a scene when Jack Nicholson um, falls, well, he gets like locked in the pantry and he's like going out of his mind and trying to escape, but he's like eating Oreos and planters peanuts and like falls asleep on a big bag of flour yeah now this i found to be a very strange fact um it was reported that quote nicholson was only was willing to only eat his least favorite food in an effort to master the crazed mindset of his character according to good housekeeping he ate nothing but cheese sandwiches for two weeks straight because it's his least favorite food now, let's discuss this quickly. How could a cheese sandwich be your least favorite food? I don't know. That's really bizarre. Like, I could see if it's not your favorite food or, like, if you're allergic to cheese or bread or something. But, like, it's so specific for that to be your least favorite food. It, like, makes no sense. Also, is it, like, grilled cheese or cold cheese? It just says cheese sandwiches. But, like... I like a cheese this sandwich. This is... Me too. This is implying that Jack Nicholson hates cheese sandwiches so much that it gave him the push that he needed to like to act the way he did in that film because of his disdain for cheese sandwiches. How could yeah. this be? I don't know, man. It's crazy. <laughs> did you try putting mustard on it, Jack? That's all I need to you know. Yeah, some spicy mustard and you're in good shape. Now, if it was A tomato, pickle? if it was like raw onion cheese, then I would understand what he's talking about. Right, but it wasn't like I could see if it's like, oh, yeah, eat his least favorite food, like liver and onions, like something that's like really contentious. Like, what's the big fucking deal about a cheese sandwich? It seems so benign. Like, you know Maybe what I mean? Maybe it reminds him of being poor and he doesn't want to think about that. Maybe. I don't know. But I love cheese sandwiches and I like a cheese sandwich with like lettuce, tomato, and um, mayonnaise and mustard. And that, that's amore, folks. When I was a kid, I used to eat, you know, the bagels that come in the freezer. Um, mm-hmm. Toast it. Lenders. Lenders yeah. bagels. Yeah. Toast it. Put a slice of American cheese on there. Yellow mustard. Ready to go. That's a fantastic sandwich. If that was in front of me right now, I would eat it and it would not make me go crazy. But yeah. Jack Nicholson, we don't understand you and that's okay. Um, Stanley ends up living to, na- to 91 years old. He dies of a heart attack in Massachusetts one year after his wife dies in the year 1940. And I guess they went back to Colorado to ho- haunt the hotel. Yeah, they drove over there. Yeah, they did a road trip. Did They're she like, wait Let's for get him back over there. to die, or was she already haunting actively when he died? Uh, she probably was haunting. Yeah. I mean, maybe they went back together. Yeah, who knows? She's like, dude, I've been waiting who for knows? one year. Hurry up and die. Yeah, and it's still a hotel, and it has some very poor reviews. Um, <laughs> lots of one stars on TripAdvisor. It's apparently very expensive to go to, and like the service is bad and like quality of like the rooms is pretty disgusting and bad. So this is just allegedly don't come at me fucking Stanley hotel. I would definitely go there and have um, a Manhattan at the bar. Does it cost extra to stay in that room from the shining? You know, I don't know, but I could call them right now and see, we could do a live call. Yeah. Let's get him on the, let's get him on the horn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hang on one second. Let's call collect. Um, So that brings me to my next question, which of course for our top three, do you have t- three favorite ghosts? Three favorite ghosts. Okay. You go first. Well, I guess my third favorite ghost is Patrick Swayze from Ghost. Yeah, that's a good ghost. Yeah, that's nice ghost. Um, my second favorite ghost is the ghost of Christmas past. What? Because I that was, was going like- to use him at mine. Well, I'm sorry. You can have the same favorite ghost of mine. Okay. And my first favorite ghost is my dad. <laughs> yeah, he's a great ghost. My dad um, is a great ghost. Well, I just heard about some ghosts last night on Unsolved Mysteries because Ooh, in spooky. Japan, there was a tsunami in 2011 that killed 20,000 fucking people all at once. Yeah. And so in this specific town that was the hardest hit, um, there have been multiple people reporting ghosts, like taking cabs just kind of like knocking on your front door, being soaking wet and asking for dry clothes, like tons and tons of ghost stories. It's really spooky. Um, It's wild. So those ghosts seem chill and they don't seem like particularly mean or anything. So I think that I like them. Um, 
Yeah, I also I was gonna say the Ghost of Christmas Past, but like I actually like the um, the guy who you know the the um, what's the Casper? Show, what's the show called where you actually have the Ghost of Christmas? Scrooge. Yeah, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Same thing. The guy in the um, George C. Scott version who plays the Ghost of Christmas, I think Future. He's got like a big robe on, and he's all like, "Hey, I'm cool. I like him." Yeah, the Ghost of Christmas. Future, there's one that's nice. You know who I love oh, wait, is in he's movies. present because the future guy is the one who's really mean and like kind of like I'm death basically. Yes, the future one is scary. I love in um the in the movie Scrooge with Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. The Carol Kane plays. Uh, I think she's the ghost of Christmas Present. Yes, she's so she cute. is. I think. And then yeah, I don't know. I should know this, but I don't. That's fine. Ghost. Also, that's have you good, seen the ghost? Have you seen the Scrooge? It's not Scrooge, but whatever that show is called with uh, Jean Luc Picard as uh, Uncle Scrooge. No. Well, it's do very, you mean, very bizarre. Do you mean William Shatner? No, I mean Jean Luc Picard. Oh, okay. No, I haven't seen it, but I don't know anything about space. Well, this is not space related. Okay, great. He plays. Well, then I'll watch he it. plays George C. Scott in this show. <laughs> Um, I do love Scrooge, and I think it's a wonderful story, a Christmas story. Thank you. God bless you, Charles Dickens. You're my new favorite ghost. Nicole, this was a scary episode. I feel shaken and haunted, and I have to go have some warm tea and lay down under a blanket. Okay, good idea. Okay, but first I'm going to check out a weird sound in the basement. (laughs) I think you should wait till dark before you check it out. Okay, good idea. Okay, folks. Well, everybody stay cool and stay out of the cobwebs. It's another haunted episode of Life's Banquet <laughs> next week with me, your host. Okay, bye. Bye. Pasta Life's a Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. 